Super Talk Mississippi media production. Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. We hope you know you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. And I think something we can all agree on is when we realized that the Jackson State's Sonic Boom was playing in the Super Bowl, halftime show alongside Usher. We were all Mississippi proud. So joining us today is Jackson State's Director of Bands, Dr. Roderick Little. Hey, Dr. Little. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I am doing well. Congratulations to you as well as to all of the students who just had an incredible um, opportunity and really, really made Mississippi proud. Thank you very much. Uh, We were definitely happy to represent our beautiful state. Well, I know I got up and danced a little harder when I recognized the the people on the field were connected to our home state. And it was one of the best kept secrets, I feel like, um, in terms of media wiles in a long time and for good reason. So, Dr. Little, how did all of this kind of come together for your students there at Jackson State? Well, uh, we have a notable alum by the name of Cortez Bryan. He actually reached out to me, and he asked me if we wanted to perform for the Super Bowl. And quite naturally, my first initial reaction was, of course we do. Um, and so he, he linked me up with a couple of other gentlemen and, and, and uh, gentlemen and ladies, and, you know, we all came together and figured out how we were going to get the Sonic Boom of the South to the Super Bowl, to Las Vegas more namely. So how did you guys prepare? I can't imagine it taking you more than a split second to say, yes, we'll figure it out. Like, (laughs) you know, I don't need to ask anybody. Everybody's going to be for this. So how did you guys get ready for for the biggest stage on television? Well, um, I was in correspondence with the production team, uh, more namely a a lady by the name of um, Kristen Terry, affectionately known as KP. So she, she had... Um, a plan sort of mapped out, and so what we did was we collaborated, and, you know, she allowed me to have creative freedom for what I felt like would, you know, have the identity of the Sonic Boom of the South representative but at the same time follow those parameters that she had mapped out for us. Um, and so once I got that information, we had some rehearsals here at Jackson State, um, and I didn't want to solidify plans because I knew we were going to have to make some adjustments once we got in Las Vegas, once we got to Las Vegas, rather. And so once we touched down in Las Vegas, we made, you know, the necessary adjustments to come up with what everybody saw on this past Sunday. So how did you keep it a secret? Because how many students went with you? Uh, we took 93 students with us. And they all kept their mouth shut. What is your secret, Dr. Little? <laughs> well, they, they all had to sign NDAs. 
Ah. Um, so that was a major proponent of it. And, you know, also I, I just really made sure I imparted upon the students that we didn't want to share the information to circumvent us from participating. Um, so, you know, that was a caveat as well that I utilized to make sure the students did not, you know, share the information with their families. Because to your point, it was very, very hard for us to maintain that information. I didn't even tell my immediate family, so. Well, I love I loved the surprise. I know everybody was like, why didn't we know? Why do we know? But, you know, they keep the entire thing under wraps. We had no idea who Usher was choosing in terms of his own stage. There was speculation, but no one knew. And that's part of the excitement. And I wouldn't take away that moment, at least across the state, when the social media went wild, Dr. Little. I know y'all were in the heat of, you know, performing at the, at, at the top level. But we were all just, like, so excited and united that, like, yes, like, that's Mississippi. That is the best. Sonic Boom of the South. Like, we, we knew it. So glad everyone. Everyone else sort of got to see it. So you guys got to Vegas 10 days before the big uh, before the big game. So how did the students get to enjoy some of Vegas? How did those 10 days go? Those 10 days were, uh, for lack of a better term, life-changing for our students. Um, you know, quite naturally, if I'm, if, if I'm to speak honestly, you know, a lot of those students probably won't have another opportunity to make it to Las Vegas, um, you know, and, and on the other side of the coin, some may, but probably not performing for the Super Bowl. So, you know, with that being said, they had, again, a life-changing experience to where they had 10 days, you know, to not only reap the benefits of being a part of the Super Bowl, but also, you know, having the opportunity to sightsee such an amazing city, um, you know, one of the top tourism cities in our country. Um, so, you know, they had an opportunity to do that. They had a per diem uh, per day, a $60 per diem per day that was provided uh, by the uh, by the wonderful people down there connected to the Super Bowl. And so they, they just had an awesome time not only, um, again, performing for the Super Bowl, but also learning about the city, learning about themselves, um, and just overall being an independent learner that we want to make sure that we provide opportunities for our students to be here at Jackson State University. So what are some fun, maybe behind-the-scene moments, Dr. Little, that only you guys and the, uh, and, the, and the bandmates of Sonic Boom at this particular time uh, would have gotten to explore or see or wish everybody else would have known about? Well, um, I, I would say, you know, just, just the mere fact of seeing so many celebrities. <laughs> I remember, you know, kind of sitting down, you know, uh, rehearsing or taking a look at what the band was doing from a field perspective, and, and Jay-Z just walked in. Because uh, he was the executive producer, you know, of of the halftime performance. So just being able to to interact and see so many celebrities, you know, from not just Usher and Jay Z, but also Alicia Keys and you know Will I Am and Little John and Ludacris, and um and and just having our students to to be in the same arena and space as as all of those A-listers was something that was definitely monumental. And uh, I guess a fun fact or behind the scenes fact was uh, the students actually played for Usher. Um, we played some some uh, standard tunes that we typically would play at our football games, uh, the show and talking out the side of your neck. And he was dancing and moving and grooving along with the students. So the students had an opportunity to put on a show and bring a little bit of Jackson to to the uh, to the stadium at that particular time. And they were the only performers that didn't get any kind of controversy backlash. Everybody thought <laughs> that they were the highlight of the night. So, I mean, again, just so much pride. Now, I know it's not the Super Bowl, Dr. Little, but you guys have just announced that y'all got another big stage that you will be headed to coming up, not 2024, but 2025. Where is the Sonic Boom of the South headed? We are headed to Pasadena, California. Um, so on New Year's Day 2025, we are gearing up to take our students to Pasadena and represent again the state of Mississippi, um, the city of Jackson um, on, on a national stage. 
Um, so right now we have an active fundraiser going on. Uh, we are going to be raising $850,000 to get our students to Pasadena. And any listeners out there that would like to support this cause, they can visit the website, which is dsumsedu forward slash roses. And, you know, we would appreciate any donations that, that anybody can give. Um, to make sure that our students have the best time as possible. Because, again, our goal here at Jackson State University is to provide those types of opportunities for our students so they can be global uh, leaders and thinkers when they leave our hollow grounds of this institution that we all know and love. Well, I think that would be worthy of anyone's calls if they want to help get them there. It would be so exciting to see them again back on a national uh, stage performing. But, Dr. Little, I feel like here in Mississippi, we've known for a long time that the sonic boom is just special, right? It's just something that you have to see. It's something you have to experience at least once. How do you think, what's the mojo? How, how does how has Jackson State been able to create such a legendary uh, band with such an iconic kind of sound, but also just look on the field? Like, you feel like it's y'all make it look easy but it's hard to replicate <laughs> yeah well you know in, in our program we uh have a very story and steep tradition uh we've had some outstanding you know gentlemen and, and ladies to contribute to the body of work that the sunny boomer south has produced over the years um you know we have some outstanding directors from william w davis um to Harold Halton to Dow Taylor to Lewis Liddell to O'Neill Sanford, you know, myself, and, uh, and and a litany of assistant band directors. And we can't forget the students. Uh, the students, you know, uh, was very instrumental in coming up with the identity of the Sonic Boom of the South and some things that we do as well. So it was a collaborative effort over a number of decades, starting from the 1940s, actually, all the way up until this point to get the Sonic Boom of the South where we are today from the standpoint of the energy, the showmanship, and the camaraderie that we exude when our students perform. Well, y'all did all of that and more this past Sunday. Have the students been able to come back to earth? Like, are they rested? Are they ready to go? Are they still sort of walking on cloud nine? Yeah, I, I think at this point we, we are all, you know, walking on cloud nine. I mean, we, we've always known, uh, to your point, the, the, the relevance of the sonic boom of the South and the importance of the sonic boom of the South. But unfortunately, you know, our students in our program, we just don't get to the, the notoriety that we deserve. I mean, what we did on Sunday, we've been doing it for years, mm-hmm. you know, for our constituents and alumni base to come and, and watch us at the games. But now it's just an opportunity for us to showcase that on a national stage. So um, I, I think it's more so them just feeling appreciated is something that they, you know, really glean from the most from this experience. Well, you bring up a good point, Dr. Little, because if they want, liked what they saw Sunday night on the biggest stage, they can support JSU and come to any home game or any game that's close to them and see you guys put on a heck of a show um, at the halftime there. So I appreciate your time. We'll be looking for you all in 2025. And congrats, send our congratulations to all the students. Thank you very much, Rebecca. And I'll be, I'll be remiss if I did not recognize our administration, President Thompson, and his support, you know, in getting us there to uh, Las Vegas and also supporting the campaign for Pasadena, California. All right. It took a village to get you there, and we're so glad y'all did. So appreciate your time, and you guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Positive and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. 
the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from that Supertalk Mississippi app. We hope that you've taken time to download that. You can always find us, too, on that local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And don't forget, you can watch us when you're on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Supertalk TV. Don't forget, too, that we still have an opportunity for you to win a pair of tickets to see the biggest name in entertainment right now. That would be Miss Taylor Swift and Margaritaville Resort and Paradise Pier Fun Park in Biloxi, along with Super Talk Mississippi is presenting you Taylor Swift in a cash gift. So you'll get a pair of tickets to see Taylor Swift at the Superdome in New Orleans coming up Saturday, October the 26th. Plus, they'll give you $1,000 cash. So to enter, you just need your name. I hope you know that. And some contact information at one of our registration boxes that at select locations across the state. If you want more information, easily go to supertalk.fm slash Taylor Swift to find the full list of registration locations and more information. Information. Okay, Rhino. So it is two fun, I think, food days. Well, one's only fun if you like it, and that's we'll get to that. But the other is National No One Eats Alone Day. But I feel like if you're eating alone in a restaurant, chances are you wanted to be alone. Yeah, especially after COVID where (laughs) every single restaurant figured out how to do to-go. Because, you know, there's so many things that are sort of geared around you going with a group or you going with someone else. But there are another sector of people who absolutely 100 percent do not mind doing those things in public solo. In fact, some of you absolutely enjoy the opportunity to sit and eat at a restaurant without the distraction of someone else or go to a movie without someone necessarily with you, which I think with the movie thing, why do you need someone to go? You shouldn't be talking to them anyway. But I. Well, with that, it's the shared experience. And when you're done, you get to talk about it. And you're 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 both hoping that the other one enjoys it as much as you. But if it's. If it's some off-the-wall indie film that only you're excited about, they got to be a pretty good friend for you to want to drag them along to see it. Well, I think you can have fun going to the movie with a friend, um, but I think it would. I don't see why it should be odd or why you should not go if you want to see it and other people's schedules doesn't line up with yours. Or you can catch like a day matinee. We'll have to ask Tanya. I think she goes. Uh, ride solo um, a lot of times to to her movie reviews and it's just a completely different experience but i think the national no one eats alone day is more for like lunchrooms and i think that would be yeah. more geared to students and i can understand that but i'm curious if like even in the workplace setting because i've never had a workplace setting that had like a cafeteria i mean i think everywhere i've worked had like a a common ground to like a break room, like a break room or a gathering room. But people kind of chose whether they ate in there or chose whether they ate in their office, which would be alone. But I've never had like every like the bell rings and everybody moves like sort of to to the break room and then makes that sort of awkward. So I think what I'm asking is, is I mean, how many people are really worried about not eating alone? I mean, I get it from the standpoint of if it's. 
a, a day designed to raise awareness and anti-bullying and stuff like that for kids at a school. But yeah, that that is a very juvenile mindset to be worried about what other people think if you're out in public alone doing something by yourself. That That's something that when you're a teenager and a teenager and you're insecure and you're still trying to grow into who you are and figure out who am I, then, yeah, I can see how that insecurity could lend to not wanting to do stuff alone. You'd rather be with friends or family, even though when you're at that age, you don't really want to do much with your family. Mm-hmm. You'd much rather be with your friends. But eventually, you got to grow out of that. Like, I, I, I just don't – I can't wrap my head around grown adults being worried about what somebody thinks if I'm sitting here at a table for two and it's just me and my plate. And you do I, do I look unhappy with my meal? <laughs> Because if it's good food, I'm not going to be unhappy. Because if you sit down next to me and I've had a bad day and I'm there all by myself, now I'm going to be mad that I have to entertain you. (laughs) Let me just go on and say that. um, If I'm sitting at a table for two and it's just me and some random person sits down with me, I'm probably not going to be the warmest greeting. It's probably going to be, can I help you? Can I help you? Are you lost? Is there something on my face? Is everything okay? Uh, no, but I think it's kind to be kind. But also, oh, I yeah. think it's also nor it can be. We should normalize if you want to go alone that it should be totally fine. So the other national um, day centered around food is tartar sauce day. So the reason this catches my attention, well, I know it catches the attention specifically after it's the first Friday after Lent starts because so many of you if you if you follow the if you follow Lent or you practice the Catholic faith then you may have given up meat or and you probably do more like fish or sort of seafood which tartar sauce sort of lends itself to but every every family has that matriarch that has that like special recipe that only they make and I get sometimes it's like a main dish but sometimes it's like a condiment whether it's barbecue sauce or whatever in our home, it was my Granny Smith, and she has iconic tartar sauce. Mm. It was just – so I grew up in a family that fished and did fish fries and really enjoyed that, or we would go to, you know, t- get fish takeout. That was just kind of our, you know, it was like fried fish um, or fried chicken. It's kind of like up toss. One of those two were probably going to be on the Sunday, you know, sort of table or, or family gathered. And it wasn't a fish fry at the Smith house, because that's my maiden name, if Granny Smith didn't have a fresh jar of her homemade tartar sauce. And I didn't realize that not everybody likes tartar sauce. Not everybody cares for it from scratch or has like a story with tartar sauce like we do. But that was one of the things as she was you know, getting older and could do less in the kitchen and but still with the family, it was one of the things my mom had to learn. There were a few of her recipes that was just mandated that it kind of got passed down. And so Granny Smith's tartar sauce was just one of those that had to be it had to be left on the side of the dirt. She couldn't go. And transition peacefully. <laughs> if we didn't know what the secret was um, in her tartar sauce. And it was always one of those things we swore, you should bottle this granny and sell it. And I mean, anybody who's ever been to our house now for a fish fry will attest if I if I have a if mom has made me some fresh, then everyone's like, this is the best uh, tartar sauce, even though it doesn't look appetizing and it's really not for everybody. So I'm, I'm surprised to see it has a national day. It's not something you normally, I would say, would normally see to be cheered on for a whole day. Well, honestly, I'm more surprised about the company that helped the national calendar people found National Tartar Sauce Mm -hmm. Day. Because it's Frisch's Big Boy. 
What is that? Uh, it's a regional burger chain from the Midwest and Northeast. Like, you remember, you've seen Austin Powers? Yes. You know the One the, the guy, the, the big mascot statue thing that the Dr. Evil's rocket takes off? Mm-hmm. The big boy holding a platter? Mm-hmm. That's Big Boy. Okay. So the burger company, big boy. known for their burgers, helped get tartar sauce day started. So I'm reading here on their little National Day thing, and they say it's more than just for fish. Now, being a long-time tartar sauce eater, of course, you get a little on your hush puppy, you get a little on your homemade french fry. It kind of has that, like, juice to it, so it sort of spears out everywhere, maybe get a little on your roll or whatever it is that you're eating, and it's all delicious. But, like, I am today years old before, like, learning that, like, people actually use it for other things, like, other than fish. Like, I thought it was a fish topping. Like, you would, like, tartar sauce goes with fried fish. I mean, I've always kind of been of the mindset that tartar sauce will go good with anything that you put on a plate with fish. So, like, if you got a catfish platter with some catfish and you got french fries or a hush puppy or even a little bit of coleslaw or something, tartar sauce is going to go well with the fish and the sides. Like, I I love to dip fries in tartar sauce. I think the combination is great. Correct. But it's already on your plate. Right. I didn't get it. Like, how many of you actually... I'm not are, opening the tartar sauce <laughs> I'm not to put opening it on a the tartar sauce to put it on a burger or to put it on the side for my fries if we had, you know, chicken fingers and french fries that night or if we had burger and fries or just pick something up and brought it home and you want to use your the condiments of your of your own then it's just not something that I ever I never thought of. They also say you can mix it into pasta, which really doesn't sit well with me. Or potato salad, which also doesn't sit well with me. I could see the potato salad because Maybe. I mean if you have a mayonnaise based potato salad that you also like putting say dill relish in, well you're already halfway there to tartar sauce. Tartar sauce is what? It's mayo, dill pickle Sweet relish. Onions. You can put onions in it. Parsley, lemon juice. All the things. I mean, but it's it's relatively simple. So if you're making potato salad and you already added mayo to it and you like relish in it, then add the dill. They said, see, if, see if tarragon would be good in it. They said add it to steamed vegetables. Mm, <laughs> maybe not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Maybe a carrot. Look, I'm very pro tartar sauce. I just have very strict stipulations in which <laughs> I want to use it and that... Vegetables is just not one of them. And don't even get you started on cocktail sauce, right? No. But my granny, my granny Smith made a good one of those, too. <laughs> she was good with the salsas. All right, stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Put 
that's not the name of the movie, right? What's the name of the movie? It's actually Bob Marley colon One Love. Okay. So, so I got the, I yeah. got it right. Good job. <laughs> I guess they didn't have to think too hard about what to name their yeah. <laughs> their upcoming movie. Welcome back to Good Things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. It's Friday, so we got Tanya back in the house to talk movies. So have you seen that one? It's getting I rave ha- reviews. Yes, it's really gotten a lot of positive attention. Um, and it was released Valentine's Day along with Madam Webb. And Bob Marley came out on top, so it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend. But, yeah, so this is the story of him, and um, it focuses really on the period of time, like in the 70s, where he was doing the big uh, peace concert um, in his hometown um, because there was a lot of violence going on. There was a lot of politically charged um, tension and nothing we would know about. No, no, <laughs> lots of violence, which ultimately kind of forced him out of his own country. He went to London where he recorded an album that I believe is known as like probably his best called Exodus. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it's one of those movies. I, I liked it. I think it's, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, I would not consider myself a Bob Marley fan. I wouldn't consider myself not a fan. Uh, of course, how can you not like his music? It's all so positive and relaxing and makes you feel like you're sitting on a beach. Mm-hmm. You want to be. Not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but this is one of those that doesn't get really deep in the weeds, but um, his story is told you know, it starts off during that period, but then um, his whole kind of life story is told through a series of flashbacks. But the guy that played him, plays him in this movie, does a great job. Um, we've seen him before in One Night in Miami. He played, I think, Malcolm X, if I remember correctly. Uh, but great at British actor. Um, and the actress that plays his wife, we know her from Captain Marvel um, and she also is fantastic. Um, although she's not a huge part of the movie, but she's a very important part. Did his son have something to do with it? Yeah, his son was very instrumental behind the scenes in getting this movie uh, cast. Uh, like, I think he had final approval on the casting and um, gave it his blessing. The movie actually starts off with an introduction from him. So um, he's definitely, uh, you know, put his weight behind it. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it, it's, it's interesting because he's one of those guys that's always been kind of mysterious to me. I knew, I mean, he, he was died when I was very young. Um, but he's one of those that I've always thought of in the same terms as like a Marilyn Monroe or James Dean, one that died too young and will forever be young, you know, because of his short life. Um, and uh, he died of skin cancer. I didn't know that. I, I really d- ha- couldn't remember. Um, I don't think I realized that either. Yeah. So it's really tragic, something that would have been preventable had he gotten medical attention. Uh, but he just didn't realize. Kind of like with Chadwick Boseman with his um, colon cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Get your colons checked. Yeah. <laughs> and your skin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if anything looks abnormal, go check it yeah, out. There's your PSA for the day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the other new release this weekend is Madam Web. This one is in the Marvel world, uh, but 
I hate to say it, but I have no excitement about this movie. I mean, I just hate to say that because y'all know I'm a Marvel Mm -hmm. junkie. Um, But I'm not a huge Dakota Johnson fan. I just, I don't think she's a good actress. And I shouldn't, you know, prejudge this movie based on that because this could be the performance of her life. Who knows? Um, But this one is in the same world, sort of, kind of, as Spider-Man. Um, but it's certainly independent. It's got some crossover characters between the two worlds. Um, but she is basically a medic whose mother is afflicted with um, this disease that involves spiders. And <laughs> you lost me there. Yeah. And she, Worse than Cabin in the Woods. Uh, after an accident that happens while she and her partner are, um, you know, and an tending to an emergency um she falls off of a bridge in a car and um i guess the trauma of that awakens this power she has where she can see the future um and she realizes because she can see what's coming she also can can alter it so um that's kind of the gist of it but um, Spiders any, can do that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, so that's the two big ones this weekend. Um, Argyle's still out there. Uh, one that I missed while I was out is Lisa Frankenstein, which I think is probably maybe geared more towards teens. Um, I have not seen it yet. Um, and then The Chosen, you know, we talked mm-hmm. about the TV series has released uh, season four three episodes one through three starting off the new season and it is doing really well so if you're a fan of that go check it out and wonka is still hanging in there in the top 10 so if you haven't seen it go see it because it probably won't be in theaters too much longer and it's one of those that really needs to be seen on the big screen you don't regret it once you see it streaming you'll be like man i wish i wouldn't yeah yeah to do that yeah yeah for sure um and then mean girls is rounding out the top 10 Is it doing good you know it started off so strong but it's only made about right under 70 million which isn't bad, but um, I was thinking that it would be more of like a hundred and you know, well over a hundred thousand. You think it's because I mean, it's a musical? Million. Maybe I don't know, and it may be just the time of year that it was released. There's just so much competition this time of year with um, you know, Grammys were last weekend, and Super, I mean Super Bowl last weekend, Grammys the weekend before that. So just a lot of uh, you know fighting for. Is the color purple still out? It is, and so I still encourage everybody to see it if you haven't. Um, and the and Dune's coming up, right? Yes, Dune I'm is starting the to next. see them. Actually, it's, it's interesting. You know, when we went through the strike, you talked about they're not getting to promote it, and I didn't. I don't pay attention as much. But now that the strike is over, I'm like, well, them bulls are all out here promoting everything yeah. everywhere. So, and it seems like they're supersizing the promos. I think you know maybe they saved their money up during the strike. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that one's coming March first, I believe. Next weekend, they're doing a re-release of the first one. In theater yes so if you missed it or would like to refresh your memory i um, need to re-see it and i didn't get i didn't see it in theater so yeah well it's definitely one you want to see in the big theater um the sandworm alone is worth it um but so yeah so that's exciting um the big you know super bowl had several trailers uh the biggest in my world was wicked 
Um, it's coming out later this year, and you know, I kept hearing buzz and this and that, and I'm not a huge Ariana Grande fan, but after seeing the trailer, I'm really pumped. I think the casting looks really amazing. So um, anyway, I, I just can't wait. That's going to be good. Um, and I guess other than Dune, the next, we've got Kung Fu Panda 4, uh, <laughs> which those are always good. So that'll be a big one for families to go see. Uh, and then Ghostbusters, the Frozen Empire, the the next one is coming out later in March, about the 22nd. So a lot of really good things um, coming. And Beetlejuice. Yes, Beetlejuice is later this year, too. I feel like me and Rhino are just going to take a sick day here from good things <laughs> <laughs> and co-watch Beetlejuice together as much as we both feel like it's, I don't know why, it's one of the, I mean, I obviously didn't watch it in theaters the first go around. I don't think we were in existence. Did it come out in theaters? It would have had to come out in theaters. Oh, yeah, it came out in theaters. It came out in theaters. But, I mean, we only know it from the TNT or like the, you know, TBS, yeah. TNT, kind of catch it on a weekend sort of movie. So it'd be interesting to see it. I hope maybe they will re-release the original. I bet they will because it's been so long um but it's not you know um september so you would think it would be more of a october but 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 it's really not a scary movie so i don't know yeah it'll be interesting and so many people just uh, that's one of those that has its own cult following you know so i think it's gonna going to do very well mentioning the marvel and it may not have been marvel world but the beetle what was the it was here recently? Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. Did it oh, do yeah. did it ever did it ever do what it needed to do? I hadn't seen it yet. I'm waiting for it to stream. I wasn't going to watch it. Yeah, I don't think it ever wasn't I, mean, I don't think it was considered a huge success as far as the numbers, but I thought it was a gr- fun So you saw gr- it? Yeah, I saw it. I thought it was really good. That's the this from the DC universe. So that's, okay, yeah. They're all the different, yeah. Yeah. Sort of universes and sort of all the things. And according to Wikipedia, it made back its budget. Oh, so it made 130 go. million in the box office, and the, the budget was about 125 million. The beetle, the which beetle? Blue beetle. Yeah. <laughs> Blue beetle or Beetlejuice, but either one. Yeah. Well, and they didn't. I mean, they had a great cast, but it's not big names, so they that probably is how they kept the budget down. Hmm. Lots to think about. All right, thank you, Tanya. You guys stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. At the U- Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And don't forget you can watch us. We are on your computer, your mobile device. But you can also check out your Supertalk Mississippi news team. They are covering your Mississippi stories. And if you want to stay up to date, then sign up for that free weekly newsletter over at supertalk.fm slash newsletter. I love this idea, Rhino, of them bringing back movies for a short period of time. If the next one's coming out, because like Dune, it's just been so long. So if you could vote for a movie to come back to theater, which one would you be like, man, I really wish I could have seen that in theater? Well, that immediately gets really difficult. Okay, not one. Just pick A. Well, I'm just going to pick a section of movies. Uh I would love to have a movie theater that just played old John Wayne movies, because that was long before I came around. But I love the movies. I just never had a chance to see them in theaters. Do you think the experience would be that much different? I think if if they could get their hands on some of the original reels, it might it might be a different experience because a lot of those were filmed in Technicolor or, or different different means of filming in black and white or color that you just don't see nowadays. Because everything's digital. And digital has many benefits. That's why they use it so much nowadays. But there is something to the color of a Technicolor movie filmed on Technicolor film that you you just can't replicate with digital. I would like to see, if I was going to see something that's iconic, that, that old, I guess, or has aged, it would be fun for me to see it. In a theater in which you would have seen it then, like, and hear the clicking and the clacking of the, like, because now, I mean, it's a completely different movie experience than when you first started having movies. So it would be fun if you had kind of like that, you know, old school way of watching those type of black and white kind of Dolby 9 channel, 25 channel surround sound for movies back then. Because, I mean, that adds that layer of a sort of experience of what your grandparents got to experience or what your parents got to experience when they sort of, you know, saw it. Not every movie would translate memorable or iconic in that way, but I feel like your Westerns would be fun to watch on the big screen as when they were in the same sort of setting as when they were released. Well, simply because when you think of Westerns, one of the things, even if you're not a huge fan of Westerns, but if, if I say, think of a scene from a Western, mm-hmm. you're going to picture one of a handful of things. You're going to picture a burly dude on a, on a horse, but then where's that, where's that dude on his horse? Probably in a wide open, wide shot. With a tumbleweed. With either a tumbleweed rolling by in the desert, or they're out in the, what are they, is it the... The tundra? No, it's the painted desert the or something plateaus i just went blank on it but it's out in the southwest where they filmed so many westerns that the the color of the the sand in the desert you see dune set in the desert most of that sand is real but some of it's cgi but it has a very orange look to it the desert from technicolor has a different kind of orange to it so you see what i mean about mm-hmm. how there's there's just differences you can't quite get right. digitally i agree that's what i'm saying it would be fun to sort of see it um see it that way uh alan in the delta said smoky and the bandit 
he would like to see that back um, back in the movie theater. He never got the opportunity to to see that. I, I would fully go see Beetlejuice, assuming that if it my schedule, you know, I could go. I'm not going to break my neck to go see it, but I think that would be interesting to see on the big uh, on the big screen, specifically because the next one's coming out too, because they're kind of having the that one and then and then the next one. Um, I think you used enough dynamite there, Butch. <laughs> Intruder in the Dust, Jeff from Pontotoc says, 1949 was filmed in Oxford. I would love to see it colorized and in a theater. Oh, you just brought in a whole nother question there, Jeff. It's like some of the old goodies. Which one would you like to see actually in, in color? And Thomas said, never watched Dune. Guess I need to dig it up on streaming. It's- just make sure you're watching the 2021 version. Yes. There's like a, version a version from of- the 80s that uh, it's got, tells you how different movies are from the 80s to uh-huh. the 2020s. You've seen Dune, uh-huh. the character Duncan Idaho, uh-huh. played by Jason Momoa. Uh-huh. That same character was played by Patrick Stewart in the 80s. Wow. Yeah, get the new one and then go in with um, low expectations. It's a lot of sand. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. It's, in gaming. it's not for everybody, so I do understand that. All right, uh, stick with us. you got more coming up next. you got the boys with Sports Talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here Monday at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Good things Mississippi Media Production.